Hello and welcome to Woman Heal Podcast, a sacred space for women to work through the hard stuff while becoming more self-aware, healing past wounds, and transforming into the highest version of themselves. Now more than ever is the time for us to deal with everything we have swept under the rug. Why? Because whatsoever you sweep under the rug today, you will trip over tomorrow. I am Carla Arcanon Lawrence, the trailblazer, and over the last decade, I have served as a holistic transformation coach where I help women heal what's still hurting while discovering their authentic voice and awakening their inner boss. Be sure to follow the Woman Heal movement on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Heal Podcast. We are more than a podcast. Woman Heal is a movement on a mission to help women heal worldwide. Disclaimer, if you are battling anxiety or depression, please contact your medical doctor immediately and contact a licensed professional at psychologytoday.com. If you are having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. The advice I share on this podcast is not to replace the directives of your medical doctor or mental health provider. So today we have with us a very special guest, Latanya Barrett, who will be sharing her story of battling depression and overcoming childhood trauma. Latanya, take a moment and introduce yourself to our listeners. All right. I am Latanya Barrett. I am writer of my own blog, The Beauty of Butterflies. Um, and I'm here today. I'm here today to share my story. Awesome. And so I want to just take a moment and celebrate you and just love on you because sharing your story is never easy, you know? And so um, I always say that anytime you share your story, allow yourself to feel the emotions that you feel if you cry, if you have to pause and take a breath, because every time you share your story, you will experience another level of healing. And the great thing about this is women around the world are going to be able to hear this and know that they are not alone. They're not by themselves. And so share with the people how we got connected and how you found the podcast and all of that. Well, Carla has um, worked with my sister, who is also a writer and her and Carla and my sister collaborated on a book. She was my sister's book coach. Um, my sister loves some Carla and um, <laughs> when um, Carla posted on her page about the um, the Woman Hill podcast and just featuring different people the questions that was laid out I was like check 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 mm -hmm. like these were all things that I had experienced in my own life and that were a part of my story so I reached out and Carla reached back <laughs> <laughs> and she um you know, gave me an opportunity to come on her podcast. Come on, yeah, come on her podcast and share her share my story. Listen, I'm honored. I, I love it. I just believe our stories, no experience is ever wasted and our stories are always beneficial and they're gonna always be relevant. So with this being your first time, share with us, how do you feel right now in this moment? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you, what kind of emotions you got going on right now? I got all the emotions going on right now. Like I'm nervous, I'm excited. Um, I feel empowered. Like I feel yeah, yeah. Um, like I just, I could feel myself just boosting up levels. Like, you know, just really happy to be able to use my voice and stand in my power and tell this story and feel like I can own it and speak my truth in hopes that it will 
help someone else. And it will indeed. So let's get into it. You share with me that um, you were molested, molested at 11 years old. What Take us, I don't want to say take us back to that moment, but share that experience with us. Yes, I was 11 years old and I was molested by a family friend. Um, I kept that story to myself. I did not share it with anybody. I went through that alone. It was repeated and I more or less just dealt with it. You know, I, um, a couple of people that didn't know about it, um, they just made me feel like it was my fault. You know, like it was something that you know, I bought on myself. So I just carried that shame um, for a really long time. But it was something that happened to me while I was young. And I just literally just got away and ended up moving on with my life. But I still carried like the shame and, and the um, guilt from mm-hmm. that experience with me, like throughout my life. So mm-hmm. and we're going to get into that. Um, so what you share, okay, so let's clarify. So the family friend, was that a male or a female? Male. It was a male, because it happens on both oh, sides. Oh, yeah, no, 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 you're right. Yeah, so it was a male, and this situation took place one time, and you said you didn't say anything, so it was reoccurring, it kept mm-hmm. happening. But mm-hmm. then you said certain people knew about it, so did, were you, did you have the courage to share with people, family members or somebody, and then you still didn't feel protected, or what, tell us about that. It was a complicated dynamic. Like, so I thought my 11 year old mind thought that if I told that I was going to get in trouble for it, that nobody would believe me, that it would just make things a whole lot worse. So 11 year old me felt like it would be a great, not great idea, but it would be better for me to just Mm -hmm. keep it to myself. Um, And and that was it. I I literally just kept it to myself. I even told myself for years, like as I got older, like I explained, I described the experience as like a, a sexual experience that like I wanted because people told me that, yeah, that didn't happen. Like, you know, the people that did know just told me like it, it didn't happen. So I started to believe like, okay, it was my fault. So maybe it wasn't that it was, I played a part in it. So it, it was a sexual experience when it was a violation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and just listening to you, it sounds like it was someone that people wanted to protect. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, prop, yes. And, and also it was something that is crazy because it was normalized kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like it was normalized. So it wasn't the biggest deal um, because other people in the, within my community have a similar story. So it was just mm-hmm. like, okay so that was that was the first guy all right move on you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying so they kind of I hate to say that people were desensitized to it but it was it was normalized Mm -hmm. and you you felt you carried the guilt you carried the shame you asked the questions well what did I do and how do I prevent this from happening again Um, one of the things that really break my heart when we hosted the woman heal retreat last year in October and um, the question came up about like rape and molestation. And it was about 50, 60 women at this intimate retreat. And I asked them like, how many of you have been raped or molested? And over 80% of the women mm-hmm. in that room had raised their hands. And my heart just broke. Cause I was just like, you know, we as women are more alike than we are different. 
and, uh, and our scars, we all have them, no matter how well we conceal them, but we all have them. And that's why conversations like this is so important because we want women to know that it's okay to heal that little girl on the inside of me, mm-hmm. you know? So let's go through that process. Um, in what ways do you feel like it affected you growing up? Because you were 11, so you have a violation of trust. You have a, a violation of privacy, you're being touched and different things are happening. Then you don't feel protected. So, and I know we could go so many ways, whether it's dating dynamics or how you felt about yourself, self-esteem. Oh, yes. So we can go whatever way you, you want to go with that. But um, how do you feel like that one experience that was pretty much overshadowed, uh, mm-hmm. overlooked and swept under the rug? Right. How did that affect you in years to come? Um, it would just affect so many different aspects of my life. I can definitely say that I was, I was already an insecure child, but it made me more insecure. I had huge trust issues. Um, I thought something was like wrong with me because this happened. So like, I literally, whenever I'm in dating, whenever I got probably the wrong attention, you know, it was something that I ran with because I thought like, you know, no one's going to want me because of that situation. So it affected me that way. Um, I I literally suppressed it for so long and and the feelings that came along with it that, you know, I was just, just, just really just angry. Um, Feelings Mm -hmm. of like, just, I was just like a mess more or less. Like it was just really just, I was a ball of emotion most of the time. I didn't really handle things well. My way of coping with the pain wasn't the greatest. And sometimes I didn't even know how to like really articulate what it was that I was feeling. I just knew that I felt bad about this experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just, you know, was kind of taught to just push it under the rug. Like you said, sweep it right on under that rug. And Mm -hmm. I was functioning, you know, working and, you know, having normal teenage experiences in early twenties. And, you know, I had fun and did things, but, you know, that was pretty much it. Like dating was was not good (laughs) it wasn't it was just Mm -hmm. like you know it it felt like that experience made me feel like I was powerless as a child Mm -hmm. so when I went into like relationships I went in feeling the same way like or or acting that way like I never said I felt powerless but I was powerless like I that's how I that was my behavior in my relationships with men like powerless like I was that little girl all over again Mm -hmm. um when it came to men just powerless and just kind of accepting things that you know I didn't need to I didn't have to accept but once again that power just felt like it was stripped from me so Mm -hmm. I definitely just kind of felt like this is this is what I have to deal with you know yeah just feeling low about myself too didn't help so it was like powerless and unlovable and all these like negative beliefs about myself um you know like that experience just created all these just different beliefs about myself and I would go on for many years um just acting in that you know mm-hmm. so, yeah you kind of the way you talk sound reminds me of Mary J Blige like, <laughs> when I listened to her documentary you know you're from Connecticut so yeah you know, yes, know, you know so I hear it I hear it you know uh, you know she's writing a book so I'm so excited about oh that my God. Yeah. yeah she's right wait for that yeah, and that's what that's what I'm saying. So even when we when you talk about like the molestation and all of that, 
So what I hear and what I see is, okay, so now that this has happened to you and you're trying to figure out what to do with all of these emotions, what to do with this experience, now you become perfect prey to another predator, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's manipulation or whether it's not being able to honor your body and not make your own decisions because now your lenses are foggy. Mm-hmm. So how did you find your safe place? And even we can even say how and when, you know, from that happening at 11 and now you're a mature woman. And I know whenever we feel violated, like with my issues, it was abandonment and rejection. So it was so important to find like a safe place. And that could be a person. It could be a physical place, you know. So how have you, do you feel like you found that safe place? And if so, tell us a little bit about that. So for me, it took a while for me to find that safe place. I don't think because of my trust issues, I mm-hmm. I just, I didn't feel safe with anybody. I don't think anybody really saw, you know, what, I don't think I ever really exposed myself to anybody. I was just fear, out of fear of just, you know, being judged or somebody telling me, you know, this was your fault or whatever the case may be. So I, I hid my safe place. It, it wouldn't come until therapy. I had friends. Mm-hmm. I had friends, but I think even with my friends, I was, so, I was still so ashamed, mm-hmm. you know, um, they knew a lot, but the details and just how it affected me, I don't think that I really felt comfortable to really share that stuff. Um, so therapy was when I was like, okay, I can, I can sit here and have this experience and share. And that is when I first discovered the safe place. When and that's really good because you know we are advocates for therapy. Yes, here on Woman Heal, you know yeah. uh, I believe everybody needs one. I believe everybody mm-hmm. needs a coach. Everybody needs a therapist. So when when what 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 place were you at in your life, or do you remember how old you were when you first went to therapy? And then let me, let me just stop there. Do you remember how old you were when you first went to therapy for this particular situation? Um. So. I would say maybe like in my, somewhere in my thirties, I had experienced um, a major loss. So the crazy thing is the loss is what brought me to therapy. And then that came out in therapy. I'm telling you, Carla, like that whole molestation thing was just something I was convinced was just like a part of me. So I, I went to therapy thinking, let me address this grief that I'm feeling over the loss of a loved one um, or a couple of loved ones. And that's when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, I, I, I was not ready to deal with everything that came with that. Mm-hmm. So therapy was short lived in that situation. Like I, I stopped going, I was like, I can handle this on my own. You know, I miss the people who I lost, but yeah, life is pretty okay. I'm going to work. I'm gonna do what I got to do, take care of my kids and I'll be all right. You know, and nobody around me was doing therapy. So I'm like, you being a drama queen girl. You're right. You know, you could do this. You're strong. You could do this. You can just move mm-hmm. on from this. So I just kind of was done um, with it and just literally moved on from it and didn't go back to therapy until like years later, then go back again until years later. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for being so transparent about that, because oftentimes that happens with my clients all the time, even in coaching, they can come to me like I want to build my business. But because I focus on holistic transformation, we get to digging in and I'm like, yeah, I need you to get in therapy yeah. because, you know, you can't bring this over into this business. And you know what I mean? So uh, take me back to when you decided, OK, you and I just thank you for being so transparent. That's what I love about doing interviews with real women, because it's like 
don't don't create no story for us. It's like right. tell the truth. You was like, yo, I went, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. The therapist could see it and she called it out. And I just was like, nah, you can't touch that. Yeah. And so you put that thing, like my therapist would say, you put it back in the attic and you, I did. you, you left it there. But then somehow you had to go back again. Yeah. So bring us to that moment when, you know, whatever led you to therapy again. And you was like, okay, now I got to deal with what really happened to me because it was trauma. Oh my gosh. So there's a saying I know you know of that if you don't deal with your trauma, it will, it will deal with you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what it was for me. Like I thought I could, I, I thought I could outrun it. <laughs> I could mm-hmm. put on my, uh, my uh, sneakers and just outrun it. So, you know, I was moving through life, having fun doing things or, you know, but as I got older, the things just got louder you know what I'm saying? Like the trauma mm-hmm. just got like louder. I just started feeling all kinds of ways, like the emotions and just different things. Like I was, re- I was so reactive and so sensitive to just so many different things. Um, and I just, I was hurt. I was, I was feeling a lot of pain and I didn't know why I was just like, what is this? I knew what it was, but I was just like, what is this? I can do it. I can do it. And it, no, I ended up having to go like realizing just really getting tired like tired, like not sleeping. It was everywhere. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. I started to see it and everywhere it was showing up and just, I just wasn't not even happy. I was just so low. So mm-hmm. finally, um, is that where depression kind of slid in? Yes. Well, take us through that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So like depression came in like, <laughs> I mean, with force where it was just like, I, no matter what I did, um, I just couldn't bring myself to feel happy. I just had this mask on, like where I was pretending to be, you know, happy and, and, and pretending to, to enjoy things that I didn't enjoy or pretending to be okay with stuff that I wasn't okay with. Mm-hmm. And like my voice got lost, you know, like it just was like, I'm just not going to say anything. You know, I started avoiding things and, you know, just showing up, just being what everybody else wanted me to be mm-hmm. or what everybody else needed me to be or what I felt like would, you know, be more liked and accepted amongst people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I couldn't do it no more. Mm-hmm. I could not, the pain of it was so bad. Like I would cry all the time and just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I have three children and, mm-hmm. you know, they wasn't little girls. And I was just like, what picture do they have of me? Like what, as they grow up, like, gosh, am I, is, is this spilling over into me parenting them? And, you know, what, what will their memories of me be? You know, and I grew up in a situation where, you know, my mother was, was emotionally unavailable to me. And I remember what that felt like. And I did not want to continue that cycle. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I got to go. I got to go to therapy. And again, I was ashamed because I was like, I am weak. Like, nobody I knew was going to therapy like it was just like girl why you can't deal with this on your own and I'm glad you keep bringing that up because that is a misconception that people think because you need help because you may need a coach or because you may need therapy it's like because with black women is you strong we can handle Mm -hmm. our ancestors and it's like yeah but why carry it if I don't have to I did certain strategies and techniques that could make this process easier I got to get this in this 11 year old because what Mm -hmm. happens is emotionally you could become stuck at that I was stuck as as a five-year-old little girl between the ages of five and eight when I was physically abused by my mom's second husband so I was stuck in that 
emotional state for a long time. And then I had to learn about the inner child and how to nurse her. So let's talk about the turning point. You went back to therapy. Do you remember that moment of breakthrough for you where you were like, yo, I'm, I'm fine. Was it you acknowledging it and doing the work? What did that look like for you? Well, for me, it was, and I feel like this is big, is finding the right therapist. <laughs> so I think a lot of people don't realize, and a lot of people, I know, well, not a lot of people, I hear people say things like, well, therapy didn't work for me, but the person is a huge part of it. The therapist that you choose is a big part of it. So if you're not like vibing with that person, then you're not going to put in. So then what you get out is not going to really be anything that, you know, you feel is helpful to you. Mm-hmm. So I got linked with the right person and that just made such a difference. So once I went in, you know, she specialized in trauma. She was a black woman, which was important to me. Like I was very intentional about finding somebody who looked like me that, you know, knew the struggles that I had as you know, that I have and had growing up being an African-American woman. So she just kind of first, I would say maybe the first or second session is when she started to just tell me like, girl, you you know, you have PTSD, you have, you know, that's what I'm seeing. And I was just blown away by that because I'm just like, how? (laughs) I was like, PTSD is like something that war soldiers get how do I have that I was blown away and I considered myself to be someone that kind of thought I knew what she was going to say to me like just because I do kind of focus on a lot of like things as far as I love that whole mental health thing and psychology Mm -hmm. all those things and when she said that I was just puzzled and then she started to explain what it was and then I I was blown away and I think for me that was the turning point because it was now like a name to what it was that I was dealing with and then I could like research it and see like okay, this is it, you know? And I started just like putting, like pouring myself into the work that comes with therapy. And I just started just seeing so many things. Like I saw, like you said, I was like this 11 year old girl was running the show. <laughs> like she was running all parts of my life mm-hmm. and um, my lack of confidence, everything, like just how my body responded to the trauma. Like when I was in uncomfortable situations, it just kind of enlightened me and it made me aware. And it also gave me power. Like I started feeling like I could get my power back and I could change it. Like I can change my life and I don't have to settle for what, what my life has been. It changed my life, my way of thinking, um, everything. I was very, everything was based on these negative core beliefs about myself. So mm-hmm. I was settling for everything in life, like career. Did you ever have to do an activity in therapy where you had to like write a letter to your, to the 11 year old you? Yes. What, what are some of the things that you had to say to her that oh you found God. that you found to be challenging to say to her, but you knew you needed to say it? Um, that it wasn't her fault, that it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. That it was hard. It was, and it was freeing to tell her that because nobody ever told, told me that as a child. Like, of course, because, you know, they didn't know. But just all the things that I had gone through because like trauma, I thought was just like the stuff that I had dealt with, I thought was normal. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it affected me in a way, I was just like, okay, this is normal. So it was just when I wrote letters to her, because I wrote a few of them, mm-hmm. it was like, it wasn't your fault. And it was hard for me to get to the point where I was saying those things to her and that I accept her, mm-hmm. you know, like the part of her that felt like she needed to change, you know, like I accept who she is and that 
you know, she's brave, like telling her that all these things that I was just like, wow, because she was in fact, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So it was a great exercise. It was freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember having to, yeah, I remember having to do that in therapy and um, like through EMDR, you know, like the type of therapy, Mm -hmm. like cognitive behavior therapy, all of that. And um, the biggest thing for me with with telling my inner child was that you're safe, like you're safe. And even even for our listeners, you know, having that conversation with your inner child, because you carry her with you everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. So because like, Mine was my mother's second husband, so he's big in stature. I'm a young child. So as an adult, I would find myself like cowering down when I could be a boss in front of women. Mm-hmm. But then with men, I would notice I would like not say too much or, you know, and that was because the little girl in me was scared, even mm-hmm. though just because it was a male. And there are times when even today I have to tell myself like, like we're safe, we good. And I'll do my breathing technique because that anxiety can go through the roof. And that's what we're wanting women to know. Like it's work. I know we got like five minutes left, but it's work. Mm -hmm. It's the process doing the work, you Mm -hmm. know, begins even before you go to therapy, it begins through acknowledgement. Yes. So it begins there. We cannot conquer what we're unwilling to confront. We can't confront what we're unwilling to identify and so I'm never going to not celebrate your story. I'm going to keep saying right. it. It takes a lot of courage. And of course, we can't get through all of it in, right. in, in this moment. But what would you say to women, um, to a woman that's listening now, and maybe she's been molested and that little girl inside of her is wounded, or maybe she's never been molested, but the inner child is, is, is you know, she still carries guilt, shame, hurt, <coughs> pain from various situations. What would you say to her? you are worthy of healing and that it's it's the best thing you'll ever it's the it's the biggest like form of self-love it's the best thing you can ever do for yourself is to just heal from that like you might think that you're not like in some way suffering from it but you are like it shows up it shows up you might be used to it but it shows up and life is so much better when you address it and and just heal from it you become a better woman, a better mother, a better sister, a better everything. Um, so yeah, that would be um, my advice. Get it, go get that healing. Get it, it is your right, it's your responsibility. Do it. And Do that's it. The, we have a slogan here that says, what happened to you may not be your fault, but healing is your responsibility. Yes, so it that's is. one of the ways that, because we talked about snatching our power back. And mm-hmm. actually, in my book, Life After Betrayal, chapter two is called Snatch Your Power Back. Wow. Um, and so how we do that is through acknowledging like, yo, I'm not what happened to me. Even the things that I did wrong, I'm not those things and I forgive myself. But you got a dope blog and you got a book that's coming. You're going to be working on. Hopefully we'll work together on that book. Yeah. Let people know how they can get in touch with you. We literally got like three minutes. So okay. let them know how they can get in touch with you and uh, connect with your blog, through your website or your social media handles, whatever you want to share. Okay. So my um, the website for the blog is The Beauty of Butterflies. So www.thebeautyofbutterflies.com. Um, social media. I'm on Instagram as the beauty of butterflies. You can reach out to me there. It's a link in the bio there. If you can't get onto the website, um, the book is coming um, soon. Yeah. So we want to look out for that, but yes, that's a way um, 
that you can get in contact with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Latanya. We are super excited. Enjoy today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and share with a sister friend who could use this information while on her journey to becoming. Join our live conversations that take place on Facebook and Instagram at Woman Heal Podcast. And remember, what happened to you may not be your fault, but healing is your responsibility. We'll see you next time. That's it.